0: Do you want to make twice as much money with half the work? (laughs) Well, if so, today's conversation is for you. Now, when I was first introduced to Denise Duffield Thomas, it was through her book, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and it has been a favorite of mine ever since. I think this was back in 2013. So, this just goes to show you, Denise has been around for a minute. She is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create a first-class life. Today, we are talking to Denise about easy ways to shift your beliefs and her new book, Chill and Prosper, the new way to grow your business, make millions, and change the world. Now, Denise is someone that I have really looked up to and watched her career unfold for over a decade now. When I first came into the game, she had already been laying the groundwork. So it is an honor to have Denise on the podcast, to have her wealth of knowledge, her wisdom, her experience, her strength, and her hope. And you are going to click quickly hear why. You do not want to miss this episode, especially as we're kicking off the beginning of the year. So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started.
1: Hi, Denise. It's so great to have you with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. The last time we connected was talking about your book, and I'm thrilled for you. And, I mean, gosh, we both have books out this year. It's a ride,
0: right? It, it really is, man. The the racket gauntlet that is bringing a book out into the world is quite a unique experience for sure.
1: Well, I love what's it. What's been fun about mine is it's um, about making your life easier, making your business easier. And then you have to do a, a meal. <laughs> a million interviews to, um, to promote it. And I was, yes. there was times I was waking up, you know, really early, putting my makeup on, just going, chillin' bros, for people.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel like, you know, you and I, in, in some retrospects, you know, we're marketers, we're entrepreneurs, we're businesswomen. And that, that was the most, the, the most strenuous part of the entire book process is the marketing process. And that's when when people ask me, they're like, you know, what was the hardest part of it? And I was like, marketing it. And I'm a marketer. Like I love marketing. I love sales. And it is, it's just, it's, it's a beast of it. And so I like when we get to have these moments of just celebrating the book and getting it out into the world and loving on it and having incredible women like you come and share. And with that said, chill and prosper the new way to grow your business, make millions and change the world. That is your brand new title. So I would love to hear a little bit about this. And this also is not your first rodeo. So I would love to know how this book is different than the books that came before it.
1: Well, my first book um, was in 2004 and it was called Internet Dating Tips for Men. And (laughs) I was um, a young single girl living in London. And I went, I'm going to find me a partner. And I went and did internet dating, which was pretty new at the time. And I did it like a marketer. I did it like a, like a marketing plan. I literally contacted 100 guys. You know, I had pre-written copy. I, I was just a machine with it. But And then I wrote a self-published a couple of other books after that. But I've always been that person who has just either learned something and wanted to share it straight away. And that was definitely the thing for internet dating. I was like, guys, look at this new thing. Here's how we can do it easier. And here are all the things that you're doing wrong. And, um, and so when I started writing um, business books, I did the same thing. I was just like, well, this, here's how we can make it easier. Why are you doing it in such a hard way? Um, and so I self-published a lot of my first business books. And here's a really good lesson for anyone who is a marketer. I was sending out a newsletter every single week without fail and I didn't realize that a publisher was watching for about a year and they contacted me and said look we'd love to you know pitch you um, to our bosses and um, it didn't work out that time and I went you know what I'm going to go back and build my platform and come back with a with a great pitch to them and so I, I pitched Hay House a new book um, at the time it was called Chillpreneur and um, and they ended up taking on my other self-published books. And it was just literally from showing up every week and telling people what I knew and ma- helping try to try and make people's lives and businesses easier. But the inspiration for this book actually came. I was um had just had my second baby, and I was catching up on my business books. You know, when you're like, oh, I'm going to use maternity leave to catch up on all my business books. And um, I was reading this book and I was I I felt so incredibly sad because I thought, I can't do business like that anymore. And how am I going to make this work? Like I was so sad for myself as someone who wanted to have freedom and independence and make my own money and business was really important to me, like I know it is for you. And I just thought, I'm never going to be able to make this work the way that these guys are doing business. Um, and that's when I started writing um, Chillpreneur. And the new book, Chill and Prosper, is an updated version of that with more case studies and things. And it's because, again, my, my publisher contacted me and said, the world has shifted and changed and we would love to do a new version of this book, acknowledging the changes, um, but also people would um, contact me and say, well, that's great, but I can't make my business easier because I'm in, in, this, I'm in this industry. It doesn't work for me. Um, so we were able to put in a lot of case studies too about, you know it's it's not like business is always going to be i always say it's effort less not effort none because you and i both know books don't get written by themselves businesses don't run themselves but we can make those both of those things we can make them easier
0: so how i want to first ask what has changed what have you noticed as being the expert that you are and you know you you write and speak so much about money mindset and Abundance with money, especially with women, believing that we innately, it's our duty and our right to make as much money as we want. It's more than possible to make as much money that we want. And it's typically our own belief systems and limitations and mindset around that money that really keeps us from being able to step into that. So I would love to know what have you seen that has, I'm sure there's foundations that never change with certain things. But then with this new book, and even the fact that your publishing house came back to you and said, We've seen a lot of changes and we think that we need to bring this back out. What have you seen change over the last couple of years when it comes to this idea of being able to really build the business that you want on your terms with ease, with less forced effort, with less kind of that that intense effort? And then, of course, with that money piece of, of how how do we relax and actually make more money?
1: Yes. Well, one of the big changes, I think, is, um, I mean, we we had to work online and for years people had been telling me, I can't put my business exclusively online. My clients will never go for it. Um, It doesn't work. It's not as personal, Um, all of those things. And, I mean, I saw my doctor online, you know, I saw, (laughs) I love that meme about um, the lady with her butt in the air towards the camera, seeing her gynecologist. I just think that's funny. But but things like that would have had to happen, right? So I remember people saying, you know, in every industry, but saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a tarot reader. You know, I, I read tarot cards. My clients would never do this online. Um, you know, counsellors, therapists, all of these people who were insistent for years that they couldn't make their business online, they had to do it. We all had to do it. Um, so that was one big change, but I think it was more, for some people, it opened up their mind to what was possible. And for some people, it brought up all their scarcity and all their all of their fears. And one thing happened to me um, early on. I remember I was thinking, I'm going to get the kids a cubby house for Christmas. I was really excited about it. And I was patting myself on the back about it because I started doing it in September, which is very unlike me. Normally, I'm like, get an idea like that 23rd of December Um, and so I went and saw my local shed guy who does custom cubbies and I said I want a cubby an amazing magical cubby house for my kids and he was like oh for Christmas and I'm like yeah it's September like go me and he goes oh I'll be really pressed to do it and I was like why and he goes we have had the busiest time in my entire career And he wasn't alone. There were some industries who were busier than ever in the pandemic, which meant the opportunities had changed for a lot of people. A lot of people in my community, um, you know, are graphic designers. And they were panicking because people were saying, oh, I was going to upgrade my website this year, but now I'm not so sure. I'm going to wait and see what happens. Um, Or brand photographers going, oh, I'm not going to all of those amazing mastermind events this year. What's going to happen? But there was so much opportunity. It just had shifted and changed. And so we always have to be marketers in that we're always looking for the opportunities, the things that other people don't see, and the people who have urgent needs now. This guy didn't have a proper website. It definitely wasn't mobile responsive. It wasn't, um, he didn't have any social media presence, you know, and he was doing great. He was in a lot of demand. But there were, that was a massive pain point for so many businesses. They did not know how to do it. Even our local restaurants who suddenly had to pivot to doing, you know, um, more online stuff or, or takeaway or things like that, they had no ordering system. <laughs> they had no social media. And so... There's, I believe there's always more money. It's just sometimes it shifts and changes where that money comes from. And you have to be willing to pivot and willing to see the abundance where it is, not maybe where it was. Um, So there there were the two big changes I see really is people just um, shifting how they believed that they could do work and also looking for different opportunities. Mm,
0: I think that's so smart. And I think that even just that idea of, I love what you said about as a marketer, as an entrepreneur, it's really about looking for the things that other people may not see, or even looking for the things that maybe other people don't want to do, but it's still a much needed opportunity in the marketplace is huge. And and how how is someone going to allocate or reshift maybe what they perceive as being valuable and being worth you know, investing money in, I think, is is another thing with their resources, resources, which I think that that is, is huge. And um, I want to chat about some of the things that you have in the book. Um, you have these key concepts. You have, sev- you know, quite a few of them um, that I would love for you to walk us through a little bit, if you want to just highlight a couple, that really help us start to shift the way that we think about working less and earning more. For, which to me that just means working smarter so how yes. are we doing that and what are some of those concepts that you
1: teach so one of my favorite concepts from the book is called the keyless life keyless life so I have ADHD um, I didn't know that for a long time but one of my big um, problems was I was always losing my keys everywhere like from being a kid when I was at school I would have have to wait outside until my mum came home when I was in my 20s in my share houses I'd be sat outside in the cold in London waiting for my my flatmates to come home and so in my business I started this concept called the keyless life because at home instead of taking a course to get better about finding you know finding my keys buying tools to get better at finding my keys I actually just got electronic keypads on my house So, I never have to even think about keys. I've just eliminated the problem altogether. And so, in business, keyless life is taking that same philosophy. What is a pain point that I can eliminate, automate, delegate, outsource, or batch? So it's not even a problem. And so, many times, especially in the personal development world, we try and overcome our own weaknesses instead of realizing that you can just usually create a simple solution and and just get rid of the problem altogether. Um, And it could be something really simple like getting, you know, an online calendar system. You know, how easy was it for us to be able to connect and have reminders and things like that because you had automated the system, you know, and so many people resist even small things like that. They spend hours back and forth. What's your time zone? What's your time zone? and in so many ways in their business, to reinvent the wheel, to make things harder for themselves, to almost punish themselves, you know, it's almost like, I'm really bad at this, so I need to fix it, instead of realizing that some things are just not your job to do. Some things are don't have to be done by you. And you're allowed to make things easier. And that often goes against the grain. And this is where a lot of the money mindset work that I do is about exploring your past, your upbringing, what things you were just taking as true. And sometimes we overwork, we overcomplicate, we reinvent the wheel because it's it's seen as cheating otherwise, or it's seen as being lazy, or um, we don't like taking shortcuts. Because it's you know it, it feels like we're doing something wrong. So that's I think that's my favorite concept in the book is um is this thing about keyless life. And I wrote that before I knew I had ADHD. So people contact me and say, "Wow, now you're diagnosed with ADHD. You know, you've written this book that's so ADHD friendly," and I had no idea.
0: I love that, and I think that that can be applied to so many things. Of you know, just the other day I was working on you know something and. Instead of trying to force, it's kind of this idea of like trying to put a a round peg in a square hole or however that analogy is. It's like, well, why don't you just, instead of trying to force the issue or trying to make yourself be something that you're not, why don't you just try to find a simple solution? And I do think that a lot of times we feel like if it's not hard, then it's not successful. Or we have to kind of, you know, in success, there is going to be struggle in success. I mean, we we have to have the contrast, but that doesn't mean that there has to be suffering in the success. And I think a lot of us feel like in order to succeed, we have to suffer and there has to be that tinge of it. And so that mindset, really, that's the payoff of the suffering is that it lends to that belief system that we have. And I love the idea of the keyless mindset. Instead of trying to force yourself to remember keys, which just at the, at the end of the day, it's just not going to happen, then just... Get a different way of of getting into your door and call it a day and moving on. Um, I love that analogy. Yeah. Is there another one that you have seen that is really connected to readers that they've reached out about?
1: Yes, and it's the golden goose concept. Um, I think this one's so hard when we're when we're busy. And also when we start our businesses, a lot of the times we do everything. And that's fine. You know, that's just part of being a creative entrepreneur is that we probably can do most things in our business, but at some point it starts to be a negative thing. And so the story of the golden goose from the nursery rhymes is that there was a man who had a goose who laid golden eggs and he started to get greedy. And so he tried to make the goose lay eggs faster. That wasn't enough. And so he decided that he was going to to kill the goose and be able to get all of the eggs at once. And, of course, that doesn't happen. When he killed the goose, he all he had was goose guts inside, and he killed the source of his wealth. And this is what we do. We burn ourselves out. Um, we overload ourselves. And I do this myself. This this book isn't about, oh, look at me and my perfect chill life. It's about um, almost a lot of cautionary tales about if we don't take care of the golden goose, which is us, then we can't have this long, successful, prosperous career that we want to have. We will limit ourselves. And this actually came at a very personal moment for me. I was um, on a book tour with two kids, one that I was still feeding and a toddler. And the only reason that my family was on that tour with me is because I felt guilty going by myself. And actually I was supposed to just go on a beautiful mastermind with some beautiful friends. And instead I turned it into this four-week book tour with my family. And I remember it was three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, my, my husband was like, well, you're gonna have to get up with the with the baby. I mean, it was 18 months or something at the time or two years, can't even remember now. And um I just went, I have to be on stage in a couple of hours. You know, I am the golden goose of this business. I'm the one who has to show up. And there's at some point, there's only so many things you can delegate. Like, I can't delegate turning up for interviews. Like, you would be so weirded out, right, if it was like, oh, hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm standing in for Denise today. She outsourced it to me. And so there's a recognition that there's, there are some things that only you can do, but that doesn't mean then you have to burn yourself out doing Absolutely everything for everyone. And you have to be kind and gentle to yourself because, you know, I'm in my um, 40s. I hope that I'm an entrepreneur well into my, you know, for decades more. You know, when I look at someone like Louise Hay, who was still talking and writing and speaking on stages and creating into her 80s, you know, and I just think we can't do that if we don't take care of the golden goose. And that's different for everybody. Some of us, we thrive on the work piece, but we don't thrive at home having to do all the things. And that's me. I I could do anything in my business, but I can't do laundry. It just, it kills me to do laundry. Um, Or it might mean that you have to build in self-care practices into your business. You know, I have to book in regular massages because I won't do it otherwise. And I need my body to to be okay. My mind's great. I could just be a head in a jar and run my whole business, but I have a body that I have to take care of. Um, and so the, yeah, I think the golden Goose thing is something that um that people contact me about a lot and of just saying, I'm the golden Goose in my business. And it's like, yes, we really we really are, especially if you're a mother, or especially if you have caring responsibilities or if you have, you know, a chronic illness, and you have to be really mindful of your energy, we're allowed to do business and and thrive. We're allowed to do business and take care of ourselves.
0: Yeah. And I think this is really where, like, for me, boundaries come in. Oh, um, yeah. I have an incredible way that you and I can work together this year, and it's called the Visibility Experience. This is a high-level experience for those who are ready for global reach and impact. It's perfect for you if you're ready to get unapologetic about owning what you actually want and getting it when it comes to visibility and authority. As part of this experience, I will give you direct access to my extensive network, which includes book agents, speaking agents, publicists, publishing houses, brands, and media contacts so that you can build relationships and pursue the opportunities that align with your next-level vision. It is perfect for you if you're ready to get paid to speak on big stages, publish best-selling books, and attract national podcasts and media for your work. This is really about getting as many of us into an intimate and high level space and environment with some incredible people to expand to your next levels of thought leadership. Applications are now open. You can click the link in the show notes. And even if you're just curious, I encourage you to apply. This is the very thing that is going to help you reach that next level of expansion, visibility, and most importantly, global impact. So you can start changing the lives that you are meant to change. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you wanna make money doing what you love, you need other support for sponsoring the show you know I was just thinking about it the other day I had um, a couple of months ago I had a friend ask me if I wanted to help her put on a shower for a friend of ours that is getting married and my gut was like Julie you don't like doing that like you're not an event planner you're not like you've like that part of the whole thing you've never enjoyed doing but I said yes anyways even though I didn't want to And then now it's unraveled into this whole thing. And it's like, oh, why am I doing this thing that I don't want to do? It doesn't mean that I don't love my friend. It doesn't mean that I don't want to be there to support her. And it doesn't even mean that I wouldn't financially contribute to the production of this beautiful day, but I don't like hosting bridal showers. I just don't. So it's like, can I just be honest by the fact that I don't like doing that? And like, to me, like, that's also a golden goose example of by me, if I could just be honest and say, look. I'm happy to show up and support in this way, but I cannot show up and support in this way. And like that, in and of itself, is honoring yourself, is honoring your bound ba- your boundaries, and is also, I think, a great example of being a golden goose. If not, then you just kind of feel like a
1: rotten egg <laughs> when you're not being um, honest. Absolutely. And to to stretch the analogy even further, which is what I was able to put in the next book, I realized that in my business, I was being treated like the mom, you know, and people were tagging me all the time, and I was allowing it to happen. And I had this really profound experience I was taking my kids to see Disney on ice. And I love, I'm a performer by background as well. And I realized that even though my kids didn't even know who Mickey Mouse was, you know, like they didn't grow up watching it like we did, they knew that he was important by the way that the show treats Mickey Mouse. One, there's Mickey Mouse stuff everywhere. But two, when he came out, on stage, on ice, the everything changed. They did a fanfare, the lights changed, and all the performers turned and looked at Mickey Mouse. And I realized that I needed to be the Mickey Mouse in my business because it needed to be special when I turned up, rather than people going, "Oh, cool, I'm I can just tag Denise on Christmas Day," which happened every year until I set boundaries and closed my groups down over Christmas. But um. And so it's like the be the golden goose, but also you can shift and change. And so I, I was like, well, I'm now the Mickey Mouse in my business. When I turn up, it's special. Um, Mickey Mouse is not moonlighting, picking up trash on Main Street and running the pretzel stand and sweeping everything and then showing up on stage. But how many times do we try and do that? You know, we're like, I'll sell the yes. tickets. I'll be on stage. and um, And even with my own my husband who's in the business too, having to shift and change to say to him, I am the talent. Right. (laughs) I am the Mickey Mouse. I show up and it's special. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the plow horse. I'm the show horse. So there's a ton of, um, analogies in the book, but they all amount to the same thing is you have to really honor yourself and protect your own energy.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's so true. And, and I think that that's where you have to get clear on like every person has a part to play. And it's so easy when you're just starting out and you're the solopreneur and you have to wear all the hats and you have to do all those things. How do you pivot? How do you let other people start kind of coming in? And I think it really does begin and end with us. And we have to change that script because people are just following our lead. And so if we're just being so open and available to solving everybody else's problems and, you know, triple checking in on things and being tagged and everything else, it just leads to that domino effect. And to me, I guess it it all comes back to the mindset piece of, you know, what it, cause even that Denise, to me is a scarcity mindset because it's a form Mm -hmm. of control because we don't trust that other people can like do their jobs. And so we have to kind of like, we want one foot in one foot out, even though we may say like, I just want to be on the, I, I, it's, it's, it's my wedding day and I just want to be the bride, but I'm back here telling the event planner where the flower should go. You know what I mean? And it's, I think that it's, it's a little <laughs> bit of a, it's a big, it's a big bit of a control thing. And and I think that the control comes from the scarcity place of lack of if I don't come in and do something, it can't be done. So can you touch a little bit on that and that mindset piece? Because I know that you talk a lot about this when it comes to money. You've built an entire business around that. And how just even that that scarcity mindset can start trickling into other parts that then do affect the bottom line of your business.
1: Absolutely. Well, actually, a really great example of this. So I have um, a, a course called Money Bootcamp. And as part of that, it has, you know, a Facebook community. And I could see that I was really holding back the growth of that group because I was was trying to be everything to everyone in that group. People were allowed to talk about whatever they wanted to. There weren't any boundaries around, you know, what's this group for? It was open 24-7. And so for like six years, it was me trying to control everyone's experience. In that and trying to be everything for everyone. So my kids would wake up, you know, at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh, just check in with my group, make sure everything's okay. See who's tagged me weekends. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm at the doctor's office sitting here. I may as well check in. Um, as I said, Christmas day, I would get, oh, well, just someone tagged me. So I can't let them down. Um, and it, but I was, I was holding back the size of the group because I just kept on thinking, I can't hold any more people. And it was like I was having holding them all in my arms, just going, I can't hold more people. And um, a friend said, Denise, you need a community manager in that group. And my first thought, Julie, was that they'll like her better than me. (laughs) They'll like her better than me. And so I realised I had so much of my identity tied up into being the go-to girl the problem solver and it it was a scarcity thinking because i thought well if if it's not me then they're not going to like me they they're not going to tell their friends they're not going to want to stick around um and so that was for me it was a it was like a 3 year process one of hiring somebody to come in and help two i only just i reckon in the last year stopped working weekends And because I didn't think I was working, I was like, but I'm just checking into my group. It was only at the start of this year, this is 10 years into this program, already multi-millions of a program, where I switched my profile in the group from my personal to my business profile. So now when I log into Facebook, I just see my friends and cat videos and silly things because that was the thing for me that was pulling me in all the time. I'd go, oh, well, I'll just, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just do this and so that was like a three year process of setting a little boundary at a time but it was because i wanted to control everyone's experience and i wanted to be the it was my ego really i wanted everybody to like me and i wanted to be so useful and but it was it was stopping the growth of the business it was stopping the growth of the group and it was creating dependencies and i know you've probably seen this as well in Sometimes in your own clients, but with other people, is that sometimes we create so much dependency that our clients they can't fly by themselves. You know, they they um, stop trusting their own wisdom, and that's what was happening. And so, what I've noticed in the last year, the people that I'm attracting into my community are very self reliant. They are very self aware, and they're very appreciative. You know, rather than people who are like, you know, why isn't it just answering my question? Why isn't Julie here, you know, on the weekend? But they realise that it's their responsibility to work on their own stuff and I can just be there to hold space but not in a way that is detrimental to either of us. Um, And so that's that's a really good example of how we can hold back our business from trying to be too available too much. Um, or too controlling. As you, as you were saying, it's such a great way to think of it, that it's a scarcity thing.
0: And what happened to your business once you had a community manager come in and
1: what happened to that group? Well, we were stuck at four and a half thousand for for a, a while. Like it was just creeping, creeping, creeping up. And, you know, we're at eight and a half thousand people now. And so, you know, it's almost doubled. I wouldn't have been able to hold that myself it would have it would have created so much angst and chaos in my life and not a good experience for everyone else and so there's still sometimes you know a bit of like oh you know because now I've got three community managers (laughs) right you know now I've got like a week one a weekend one an evening one and it's amazing having that level of support but I was seeing it as a selfish thing not realizing that it's it's such a valuable thing for all of you know, all of my community to one, see that role model, because I actually realized I was being a terrible role model, terrible, and, and showing people that that's what you had to do. Um, But also it means that, you know, my team aren't, they they just answer stuff, you know, they're just like, cool, here's the thing, here's the thing. And sometimes I would be like, oh, I don't want to answer that question. (laughs) You know, so everything is improved from that. That's great. Oh, it's such a good example. And I
0: think it's one that a lot of people that are listening. To this can re- can definitely relate to, um, a couple more questions. Um, before we pop off, I want to talk a little bit more about money mindset. That's something that we talk a lot about here on this podcast and, um, really want to support women. in. I would love your perspective or of what are the, you know, the most common mindset blocks. Maybe there's one, maybe there, there's three, that you see yeah. most women that are, you know, working on trying to starting their own business, what are the mindset blocks that come and what are the shifts that need to happen?
1: Well, I mean, I've spoken to now, you know, tens of thousands of people around these in different industries and people always tell me my industry is different. You know, my, my money blocks are justified and um there are definitely nuances but i would say that there's three really main blocks that we all have to work on the first one is our relationship with hard work and money which i'll come back to it in a sec you have to work really hard to make money number two is i can help people or make money but not both we all have our own relationship to that and the third one is our own personal fears about what would happen with more money? More money, more problems. Is that one? Is what that one's about? So, have to work really hard. Um, I have to help people or make money, but can't do both at the same time. And more money, more problems. Now, what I think is really fascinating about the first one, working hard, and this is this is why I love what I do, is because we, it's like an excavation, an investigation of where we received those messages. And so I always like to think of um, a couple of things. One, what era did you grow up in? And so I'm 42. I grew up, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And so for me, um, what I learned about having a business is that um, you have to work really hard. You have to produce something physical. You know, that is like probably in your garage. You know, you've got the thousands of widgets in your garage. And you have to work really, really hard selling those widgets to a person at a time. And even the idea of having a business meant that you probably had to get a business loan because you had to, you know, somehow fund making those widgets and it had to be really hard. The other side for that is that if you didn't do something that you loved, like you had to do something that you hated and so you need you had to have a job where you had to work, you know, really long hours to make money. And so I think there's something really unique about people Who grew up in that era? Because there was a point, you know, kind of in my early 20s where suddenly the internet opened up some opportunities for entrepreneurs. But it's like our brains can't quite make that switch yet. You know, if you grew up in an analog way, you're used to seeing this relationship with money as a very linear thing. I do the thing, I get paid. I sell a thing, I get paid. And so suddenly we live in this like quantum, you know, like space. Where we can leverage our time, our expertise, our knowledge in ways that have very little correlation with our time, you know, obviously it's a numbers game, obviously, you have to market all of those things. But it's like the math doesn't math all of a sudden. And I just want us to be compassionate with ourselves that that can feel quite discombobulating. It's just like, but how does that work? Because we don't understand, you know, that, that relationship has completely changed. In, when I first started writing ebooks and someone would buy an ebook from me, it was like, it blew my mind, but not in a good way. I felt like I had to call them and like read it to them over the phone because I was like, but how did I earn that? That doesn't make sense to me that someone is giving me $10 for the work I did six months ago. And then the further away that got, the weirder it felt. So does that make sense, Julie? Like i'm I'm guessing you know we're of similar kind of generation. It's like work is just different. You know, it's a completely different experience and conversation.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. and 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 I do think that the more that we use past focused stuff to dictate the reality that we now have, the more that we're going to see those blocks. And so it's really about stepping into and really creating a new shift in our own mindset based off of the reality of our situation what it is that we want and what kind of support we have to get us there. So, Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it's you can see the sun's finally coming up. It's early morning here and I'm like, "Oh, the sun's finally coming up." Um so there's just something there about what our own personal relationship is to working hard and even diving into that further to say Um, what do my family do for money? What do my family do for money now? Because there was a point at the start of my business where um, I started doing, you know, like speaking and I didn't know who my target audience was. So I was like, I'll speak anywhere. And this uh, local government organization contacted me to do like an away day. And they were like, you know, what's your speaking fee? And I was like, what's your budget? Because I had no idea. And they were like, Oh, um, our budget's five hundred dollars, and I was like, "What a coincidence! That's my fee." Because I had no idea about what to charge, and I told my mom. And at the time, my mom worked in a nursing home as a care assistant, and that was her weekly wage, for you know five a.m. starts doing you know really um, intense work, you know, working with people who were sick or had dementia. You know, cleaning bedpans, cleaning rooms, you know, all that kind of stuff, really like working hard for her money. I did it in inverted commas, but she really did. And so I was like, Mom, guess what? Someone's paying me $500 to go speak. You know, it was like a speaking on manifest. And just an aside on that, me turning up, I was like wearing a caftan. It was these government employees who were <laughs> sitting there going, What? <laughs> anyway, but, um, in that moment I saw two emotions go across her face one was like pride she was really happy for me but two was like almost this um like disgust because she was she did and she said to me that was my that's my weekly wage and I felt so ashamed like I really did I just thought this is so unfair that I can just go and like speak to people um and get paid the same amount as my mum for all of that work and so this is something that I see so many women have to deal with is this feeling of like well this isn't important work who am I to get paid for doing something that I love and we want to do it you know we've gone to courses we've read books we've gone to conferences to see those possibilities but often it does feel like we're doing something wrong or that we're going against our family or that we are somehow disrespecting other people's hard work and labor and of course we would love everybody to have those opportunities to be able to do what they want to do and so holding ourselves back from earning money in a you know beautiful abundant way it isn't taking away anything and you know what I financially support my mom she hasn't had to work for years she she's traveling she literally goes and travels she's got a motor home I pay her money every week she comes, she turns up whenever she wants to at my house, plays with the kids for a little bit, then she's back in her, her motorhome and she flies off. And I'm so grateful to myself that I kept going through those blocks because you will face them. You'll feel face guilt and shame and who am I, imposter syndrome. But you know, that that has created so much abundance for my family because I recognized. And, and gave myself permission to earn money, even when it was easy and enjoyable for me.
0: So good. And it's so true. I love, thank you for sharing that story. And I think it's one that's relatable. And it really kind of goes back to this idea of how do we allow our origin story or those belief systems by kind of whether we realize it or not, honoring that We're, we could actually keep ourselves stuck, you know, by saying, well, I don't wanna out earn my parents. So I'm going to subconsciously keep myself at a at a, at a rev, revenue capacity limitation, and um, I think that one is huge. Um, and thank you for sharing that because I don't even know if people can can consciously even know if they're doing that or not. I think that takes a lot of awareness.
1: It it does, but I find it's it can be a really fun conversation. You know, it's a fun exploration because there's so many other things for people to think about of you know what what town did you grow up in you know i've been or what country did you grow up in you know i've been having these conversations where i've been bringing together people from different um, from similar industries or from similar places and i did one with english people like british people to say let's explore what what values around money we can transmute and so one thing that british people are known for is they love to queue up you know, they love to like wait patiently wait their turn. And so I was like, well, let's have a conversation. How is this showing up in your business? And then people start to go, oh my God, I can't out-earn my brother because I have to wait my turn. He's older than me. You know, or I have a mentor who I'm starting to out-earn, but I have to, I have to go in line. Or I can't, I can't pitch myself because I have to wait for my turn. And so you can really find an analogy in, in anything. Even I was speaking to someone who um, was, lived in Pittsburgh and she was like, you know, there's, there's a mentality here of having to be like, you know, working class, you know, and like I work hard for my money and being really down to earth and not being too fancy. And, you know, I live in, a, um, in a, like a previous coal mining steel town And it's the same sort of thing like you can't be too flashy or you know you you have to be really kind of humble and so there's so many little nuances around that of like where did you grow up what um you know what did your family do for money where you know where else is this coming up for you and also if you're in a particular industry what are the money blocks of my industry and i see this in things like the health coaching world right if you're a naturopath for example Usually in your training, they say to you, Well, I hope you're not in this to make money. I hope you're in this for the right reasons to help people, which is the second block, right? I can help people or make money, but I can't do both or I can't do both ethically. And so I see this a lot for people who have, um, you know, like a target market that they're really passionate about or who really needs their help. So it's like, Well, I work with, um, you know, parents who, Are struggling with this particular problem with their kids or women who have this particular health problem or um you know whatever it is that you and you think well if i really cared about this it should be free if i really cared about this i would help everybody who would want my help and that's when you start letting people pick your brain for free or you feel guilty about charging where you keep your prices really low or you start to burn yourself out because you're trying to help everybody because you have this feeling that it's it's unethical to charge and what i always say to people is you know if you if you have boundaries if you charge if you charge fairly for what you do it frees up so much bandwidth to do things like write a book that could help so many people create a podcast that could help so many people you and i both know writing books and creating podcasts it doesn't just happen by itself, right? But it's a, such a valuable thing that thousands, millions of people could listen to this, read our books, but it doesn't take our personal energy to do that. So everyone has to realise we've, we've all got our own personal story about what's okay, what we have to give up, what is ethical, what's not ethical. And, you know, it could be that I can be a good mum or I could make money but not both. So it's, it's an either or conversation that we all have to get over.
0: Well, thank you so much
1: through, uh, for walking us through that, because I think
0: that the pricing, the pricing idea comes up a lot of like, how do I, and again, there's that scarcity mindset. I don't want to overprice myself. And then people say, no not to me, or I don't want to do this. And people say, and so it's really about articulating if it's a fair price for the value of which you're delivering. And as long as you honor that, then The rest is just making offers and making more offers and more offers and more offers because there will be the right and perfect client out there for you that will see the value in it and happily pay you for it.
1: Especially now this world we're living in, there are always more clients. Yes. You know, there's always somebody who needs your help in the world. And, you know, but again, it's that, that thing of maybe you saw that as a kid of your business is your town and that's it. Yeah. And so it is a finite amount of people instead of realising that look at this opportunity we have to help people all around the world 24-7, you know, and if you just insist on burning yourself out by over-delivering with a very small amount of people, your impact is limited yeah. to your personal energy. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to create more resources for people. But it takes bandwidth and time and And energy, and you can't do that if you're trying to do all the things and undercharge. So it's totally fine for you to, um, you know, to help people and get paid for it. The big one.
0: Well, Denise, thank you so much for
1: being here with us today and sharing your wisdom
0: and all of your amazing tips and stories. Um, I know that they're so helpful. I know that so many of our women are going to have a lot of not only aha moments today, but they're just, I think they're going to feel less alone, which is the most important piece to the puzzle of growth. So if you could please let us know, and we're going to have all of this in the show notes to make it easier for you all that are listening, but where can people follow you? I know that you love to spend time on Instagram like I do. So where can they, your website, where can they follow you on social? And then of course your podcast and then the book.
1: Yes. Well, Julie, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's such a generous thing to, um, to share, you know, and allow people to share with your community. So thank you so much. Um, I'm so easy to find I'm at Denise DT everywhere so that's Instagram and Facebook and Twitter um, I think the only place my handle's different is on TikTok which is Denise Duffield Thomas um, and the link for my new book if people go to denisedt.com slash prosper um, then they can see all the links to where the book is sold I mean it's you know you can buy it anywhere, um, but they can get some um, order bonuses as well, including some extra meditations and things that I put together that are really super fun. And you know what? I just, I really love hearing from people. So yeah, I'm on Instagram all the time. I love getting DMs about ahas. I think that for me is the most rewarding part of people going, oh, I I I discovered this about myself or telling me their money stories because I'm such a collector of money stories um, I love hearing new nuances and things like that. So yeah, I, um, I hope people enjoy the book. And um, and again, yeah, just thanks for having me. Oh, and I do have a podcast as well called Chill and Prosper. Same, same um, name as my book.
0: <laughs> and if you guys feel compelled as always, that sounded very Southern, feel compelled. <laughs> um, please screenshot today's episode and tag me and Denise in it and let us know what your aha moment is. Maybe there's a money story that you want to share with Denise privately or just something that really unlocked within you and you were reading, uh, listening to today's episode. So we would love to see those on our Instagrams. Yes. We'll make sure to respond and share your stories on our stories as well. And without further ado for everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. As always, this is the Influencer Podcast, and I will see you back same time, same place next week for another amazing episode. Thank you, Denise, for being here. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the Influencer Podcast.